Welcome to the SB Live California podcast. Got a full gang of SB Live California reporters here. Mitch Stevens, Bodie De Silva, Lance Smith, and me, Connor Morissette. What a great week of high school football we all took in a few days ago. I saw a great game. Thousand Oaks come from behind win against Newberry Park in double overtime. We'll get to that. Uh, Bodie saw Carlsbad play really well. Lance saw Rancho Cucamonga look really good. But but Mitch, let's start with you. Folsom gets a big win over De La Salle. Folsom and Sarah look like the teams to beat up there. Take me through your thoughts on that game. And then Lance, I know you have some thoughts as well. Yeah. Uh, well, we're just on repeat here. I I've seen Folsom now three times in uh, four or five, five weeks. Uh, you know, the, the, uh, the pecking order of uh, Northern California football is, you know, it's, it's always been De La Salle start there, but now, you know, we have four teams that are super close and, uh, the, and it's been reflective in these four games, uh, reflective in last Friday's game. Uh, Folsom wins basically, comes down to one play, and uh, they beat uh, De La Salle 24 to 20. Uh, wasn't a great, again, none of these games have been great in terms of, you know, perfect, and, and there's not a lot of scoring, which is fine, you know. Uh, they're kind of low scoring. The, the offenses aren't uh, super explosive. Uh, or maybe it's more of a reflection of defenses, which uh, Folsom, and, and that's kind of the, how they won this game. They, they shut out De La Salle for a half, uh, which is very unusual. And uh, De La Salle showed grit. They, they, they put together three scoring drives in the second half, take their first lead of the game with about three and a half minutes left. And then uh, Folsom, you know, just shows, I, I mean, they're super gritty. All these teams are really tough. And, it, and they get all the way to the one-yard line, First and goal with 130 left. It looks like they're just going to power it in. And three plays, uh, De La Salle again showed, you know, a lot of grit. And um, they stop them, uh, you know, and not, not just plays up the middle. Uh, Folsom had some creative plays outside, and De La Salle stopped them. And so then it comes down to one play, uh, 20 seconds left, and they call timeout Folsom. And they design a, a play they've never run before, you know, straight out of the schoolyard. They just uh, hike it to the – uh, on a shotgun to Austin Mack, who's six foot six, and he just runs towards the line, and there's nothing there, but he's long enough. He just puts the ball over the goal line, and, and they end up winning. So, um, like I said, these games, uh, Sarah played Folsom. It was 17-12. Uh, Pittsburgh played Folsom. It was uh, a one-score game, and De La Salle and Sarah played, and it was a three-point game. So, you know, it's a lot of fun, and uh, – uh, it's it's much more exciting or much more to talk about than in past years where De La Salle just runs right through everybody. Lance, you got some thoughts on that game too? Uh, just thoughts on Folsom's hot start. Uh, got to shout out Mason Norberg. We talked about uh, talked about him right when Walker Lions went out. Uh, Norberg was pro- probably one of the most underrated uh, underrated tight ends in the state. Probably still is. Uh, even though he's a three-star guy with offers. So, um, yeah, he's up to like 240 receiving yards and five receiving touchdowns, and that it almost matches his last year production. So uh, for people who are listening, trying to figure out what they're doing without Walker Lyons, you are running out of time to get on the Mason Norberg train <laughs> uh, and end scene. Yeah, I talked to him afterwards, and a uh, great kid, and and uh, he is definitely, you know, they got Rico Flores, uh, Terry Smith Jr. They got other options, but he really is, uh, he seems on the same 
page with Austin Mack and he's, you know, I guess he is a tight end, but he, he's, he's slim, you know, he's, he lo- almost looks like a wide receiver. I think he can play both. Honestly, he's uh, really uh, talented and you're right. They've gone to him in really key situations. Mitch going to put you on the spot here. So Jaden Rashad is the best prospect, but out of him, Austin Mack, Mally Smith, Carson Sue, Sue who, who's been the best quarterback so far in Northern California out of that group. And I know some other guys in the central section have looked great, but out of those yeah. four, who do you think has been the strongest so far? Yeah. You know, <clears throat> it is so hilarious. Uh, I, I, I've thought about doing a story just on these guys builds alone. They are built all this, this long and lean and uh, you know, gun gunslingers uh, call throw, you know, super strong arms. Um I still have to go with Rashada. I think he is, uh, uh, and he's—he seems to be about the fast. He's the fastest. He gets up the field, uh, you know, when, when he needs to. Um, but they are all really close. And and you talked, and I know we've talked before about the the central section and uh, Jaden Mandel. And uh, I I actually think he's right there with them. And I don't know who I would pick. I kind of like him just as. He's just as poised. We've talked about him before, but uh, uh, they're all very close, but really, really good question. And if you put them all side by side, that'd be a good video and just kind of watch it. But if they all had the same uniform on, uh, it'd be hard to kind of put them apart. Definitely. So that's Northern California. Let's go way south now. Bodie, Carlsbad gets a big win. Tight end Zach Marshall committed to Michigan. He's playing after the sit-out period and Looks like he made a big difference for Julian Sane in that offense, right? Yeah, for Carlsbad, their first time out there on defense, they forced a three and out and then drove right down and um, went to him in the end zone. Uh, I don't know why Liberty left him really uncovered on that play, but uh, yeah, he he definitely makes a big, big impact for them. And they've struggled, I think, offensively, despite how good Sane is, because uh, there just weren't many guys that returned from last year's team. They lost so many seniors. Um, he's reliant. This junior class they have is really good. Um, they haven't lost a game, whether it was the freshman and gen- junior varsity level, and that was with saying pl- saying playing on varsity the whole time. But um, just working in the new guys um, offensively, Justin Johnson, a transfer from St. Augustine, has been very good. But I think after week one, people figured out, okay, he's the guy we double. Now this week with Marshall back, um, they just can't really do that to the same guys anymore. Griffin Rosenblum's a, a big 6'5 junior who's emerged too. So with those two and Marshall, that gives Sand three great targets, and he's so accurate. Um, just there, There's just never going to be um, too many guys on defense that you're just going to be able to, to put two on each of them. So uh, he made a big impact there. He caught, I think, the most impressive play. Uh, they threw a, a behind the, the line of scrimmage pass to him on a kind of a quick screen or swing pass. Uh, and Liberty kind of collapsed thinking he was just going to run it. He stopped and, and threw a perfect pass to Justin Johnson in the end zone. So um, I know even after he, he was impressed and in, in, in practice, he said he never even threw it that well when they went over that same same play. So, uh, he, But then on defense, too, he makes a big impact. They had a couple uh, things drawn up for him on third and long to bring him off the edge. And he didn't play a ton of defense at Santa Fe Christian, but he had three interceptions last year. He's 6'4", 225 in athletic. So why not bring a guy like that off the edge on on passing downs? And um, their defense was so impressive. They, they limited Liberty to whatever, 123 total yards it was there. They sacked him seven times. 
Um, it just looked like Liberty was out of sorts from the beginning. They, they only crossed midfield uh, once in each half. Um, they missed a field goal, and that was really their only scoring opportunity there. So if Carlsbad plays like this, to me, they're very clear number one down here in San Diego, but um, it's about doing this multiple weeks. They've only done it once now. They, they had Their first two league games, they kind of had to squeak by against El Camino and Mission Hills, who are good teams, but not teams that I have in the top 10 at this point. So um, excuse me, I do have El Camino in at number 10 this week, but uh, Carlsbad, if they keep playing like this, we know how good Julian's at, and now that he's got more weapons. I think their run game was really impressive, too. Uh, they went for 161 yards, over seven yards per carry, so if they can keep the offense that balanced, they're going to have guys open deep, whether it's Marshall and Johnson. Um, they'll keep rolling, and I think their schedule's really favorable from here on out. They've played uh two of the three probably toughest teams in the really good avocado league um and then they'll finish up the season with a non-league game so um really good chance i think carlsbad's nine and one and if they're nine and one that seems like that would be a one or two seed uh down here I, the initial power rankings for the san diego section were just released yesterday um and they are the one seed i know some numbers have to be worked out cathedral with um those three losses hurts because how do you weigh the out-of-town team so um, I still think Cathedral's in that mix, but Carlsbad looks to be um, the favorite for the one seed. On September 27th, if Carlsbad were to play Cathedral Catholic in the championship game, why does Carlsbad win that game just based off of what Cathedral Catholic's done the last few years? I know they've lost a lot, but that team would scare me in a championship game. Yeah, no question. And they've played a lot over the years. I think they this if they were to play again, it would be the fourth consecutive postseason um, and Carlsbad has beaten them once during that time. They lost last year's Open Division Championship. As good as Cathedral's defense is, I just don't know if offensively um, they can assume that they're going to go out against a, a quality defense like Carlsbad and just score 24 points. Um, and, and I think I have enough hope now with, with Marshall and Johnson and saying that they can go into a game and, and even not be at full strength or not um, firing on all cylinders and still get to that 24, 28 point mark. So uh, that I, in my opinion, would be probably the top matchup, but um, Cathedral's just getting started with their league play now and uh, Lincoln and Madison in these next two weeks are going to be big challenges. They, they got to focus on slowing down Roderick Robinson because no one else has, has found out how to this year. Yeah, he certainly looks like a player of the year candidate in California. Lance, let's go to you. So Rancho Cucamonga gets a big win, and you saw a really impressive freshman quarterback. I, I want to know about him, and I want to know how high do you think Rancho Cucamonga's ceiling is? Could they win D2? Is that crazy to say? Are they in that mix? That's the question I was asking myself for sure is can they win division two? Uh, they are certainly the smallest of the, like physically smallest of the teams that I think are in the mix of playing at that level. Or just if you look at the top 20, 25, 30 teams in the state right now, uh, Rancho might be the smallest. Uh, but they're certainly among the fastest uh, on both offense and defense. And just because they're not huge up front, th this is what this game against Vista Murrieta really showed me. Vista Murrieta, a program that uh, had probably, you know, seven kids who are bigger than anyone on Rancho. And uh, they just traditionally beat you up on the lines a lot, uh, run the ball uh, through uh, just really good blocking. And they're just big and physical uh, and they execute. Um, I mean, we, we know what Vista Murrieta does, and, and that made it a really intriguing matchup. 
uh, that was part of the reason I wanted to see that game was because last year when Rancho did lose or did struggle, that's, that was why. I mean, it was just the lines and they had good undersized linemen, but size is size. Uh, best example would be they lost to Chino Hills last year in league play in a real shocker. Uh, and it wasn't even close. I want to say it was 24-7, 21-7, something in that range. So so that's the context. And, and they come out uh, against Vista Murrieta, who hasn't played anyone that good, but they're uh, I think they're 4-0 or 5-0 coming into that game. And uh, they flatten them. Uh, they flatten them on the lines. Their offensive line was solid. Their defensive line stole the show. Uh, Pablo Estrada was one of the names. Uh, I, I think he might be their best, best defensive lineman, uh, but... I've only seen them once, of course, but uh, Coach Hildebrand definitely had great things to say about him. Um, so, and and if Rancho is going to be doing work on the lines, they're going to be sacking Achilles Smith Jr. five or six times in that game, and they're going to have some pass protection and and run blocking. Uh, who's to say they can't win Division Two? Seriously, I mean, uh, the the passing game. Uh, you know, I, I know Tiller. Uh, obviously, he's out with the concussion now. He hasn't fully found his rhythm. Uh, I, I think the only game where they scored more than like 27 points was this game against Vista Marietta where they had 39, but the, but uh, the, the receivers have lived up to the billing. The secondary has lived up to the billing. And if they can just keep getting better and better uh, on the inside and figure out how they're going to play against uh, some of the teams that are just so much bigger, uh, even if they're less skilled and have less athletes on defense than uh yeah, I, I don't I don't have an answer. Can they win division two? Um, but that is that's the question. That's the question. It's a legitimate question at this point. Uh, and, and they're certainly fun to watch and how they do it uh, in this game. Uh, you asked about Chambers, Jacob Chambers, a six foot one athletic dual threat freshman. Very impressive. He had played a teeny bit in the previous couple games. This was his first start. And uh, yeah, he throws for over 350 yards. He throws three touchdown passes, uh, zero interceptions, uh, completed, I think, like 80% of his passes, something in that range. Um, yeah, it, it, I mean, certainly when Tiller comes back, it's going to be the CJ Tiller show. Uh, that goes without saying, but uh, man, ne next year and onwards, uh, look, look out for that guy. And, and of course, uh, Jonah Dawson will still be around next year. And uh, he went... He went insane in this one, had a 98-yard touchdown and uh, some 240 rushing uh, receiving yards. So, um, yeah, Rancho's just on the way up playing how we know they do. And I, I think next year it'll be more of the same. And they could this playoffs, it could be, could be when they break through. Okay, so Rancho Cucamonga, a team to watch. Let's just go through the top eight in the southern section right now just to see where that D1, D2 line is. So, According to Cal Preps, it's Modern Day 1 right now, Bosco 2, Corona Centennial 3, Long Beach Poly 4, Mission Viejo 5, Los Alamitos 6, Bishop Amat 7. If they win the Mission League, I think they'll stay in that top eight. And then it has Edison at eight. I think when the Trinity League continues, it's going to be certainly Santa Margarita or Orange Lutheran, whoever gets uh, third place. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Mission League, those teams really beat each other up just with how the Cal preps works and strength of schedule, we could see four Trinity league teams in. And I know last year, Orange Lutheran was what fifth and they ended up winning D two. I think so it was modern day Bosco, Olu, Santa Margarita, or excuse me, modern day Bosco, Servite, Santa Margarita, then Olu, they were fifth and then they won D two. So you just got to be weary that fifth place team from the Trinity league going to D two um, and winning. 
but we, we can get into projections more later. We, we don't have to do all that right now, uh, but I, I don't think Edison, I think they'll lose to Los Al and they'll drop to D2. So they'll be a favorite, but uh, you're right. I think Rancho Cucamonga, a lot of people just kind of, okay, they're, they're a good program. They'll maybe win a game or two, but D2 looks wide open to me this year. Yeah. Here, here's my hot take though. Since you just, since you brought it up, if Edison falls to division two and they're healthy come playoff time, they're winning division two. That's, that's probably the most confidently I've, I've fired off a hot take like that. Cause it, it is wide open. There are, there are a lot of teams that on paper, you could say have as good or if maybe better of a chance than Edison, but wanted to get that hot take off. And uh, when we do talk a little bit more about projections, whether it's later this show or realistically, probably a week or two from now, uh, please remind me uh, to talk about this interesting take I have that Oak Hills has a path to making division one, which is one of the most wild things I, I think I could have possibly heard in 2022. I see what you're saying. I just think the Trinity league teams will just that strength of schedule will bump them, but you're right. Hey, if they go undefeated and that happens, that, that'll be the call of the year lands. I mean, I'm pointing my fingers in the zoom right now at you. I, th I think that's a great call. Uh, I, I don't think it's going to happen, but you're right. It could. I, I'd give it a less than 5% chance, but if, if all the, like every single team between them and number eight, that has a path to fall below Oak Hills. Uh, so that, 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 that's just a wild thing. We'll, we'll dive into that another time. And, and Hey, I mean, while we're talking about Oak Hills, they are playing like the, a division two championship team right now. Yeah. I was going to mention them and my contenders. I think Inglewood might be better than they were last year. They just have more impact guys. So I, I look at them. Yeah. The Trinity League, if it's Olu, yeah, if it's Jay Sarah, I don't rule them out. Shamanad's good. Citrus Valley is good. Uh, I don't think Yorba Linda or Warren are, are necessarily at that level, but uh, Rancho Cucamonga and then Oaks Christian, maybe also, but uh, we can we can talk about this later. It's certainly, that's going to be the bracket that everyone's going to be so excited about because we all know yeah. what happens in D1 and then in D2. Um, if you want to talk about the Southern section getting the playoff system right, you look at D2, if you want to talk about them, maybe potentially having to make some tweaks, you'll look at D1. Uh, so very interesting. Uh, I, I always like talking about that. So quickly, I'll, I'll finish here with my game, and then we can go around the horn real fast and just talk about where we're going this week. So I, I saw a great game, two public schools in the Canyon League, Thousand Oaks hosting Newberry Park, rivalry game, double overtime. The, the fans were, were out in full force. Both student sections were great. I'd argue even though Newberry Park was the road team, they had a stronger – student section, even though Thousand Oaks at the end, they rushed the field and there were more Thousand Oaks kids than I thought. It was just awesome. It felt like a movie, honestly, just because the, the, the fan atmosphere was that great. A million people on the field made it a little annoying to shoot, but it was kind of just cool to see how many people were interested. The music at Thousand Oaks is awesome. They have a really loud sound system so they can get that place jumping. That was awesome. Uh, I want to start with Evan Yabu, the Thousand Oaks head coach. So he took over during the COVID season. So he was hired in January of 2020. He didn't get to play his first game until that spring 2021 season. Um, but he totally changed the culture over there. The team was 0-25 in their previous 25 games before he was hired. And he comes in, and now they look like Canyon League favorites in, in his third year. And I think Newbury Park's probably the second-best team. Camarillo might have something to say about that. Um, but they look like they're going to win that league. And to do a turnaround like that that quickly – is impressive. I know Simi Valley's left the league, but I, I want to give him a lot of credit because if you're a first year head coach, 
who knows what's going to happen. It's very easy for a, a big name coach to come into a public school and change the culture just because they have that great reputation and that'll attract kids. But if you're a, a first year guy, even though he did go to the school, so I'm sure a lot of people knew him, it's just tough to, to go in and, and change the culture. It's like a 50, 50 thing. It's either going to work or it's not. And with him, it's working really well. So that was awesome to see. Chase Martin's a linebacker and running back for them. He was clearly banged up, but he scored the game winning touchdown, really tough kid. He's getting some D one offers really awesome to see. And then I got to talk about Brady Smigel, the, the Newberry park quarterback. He, he threw three picks in the first quarter. So I know everyone's really been hyping him up and, and that's not a very good stat, but he bounced back through for 400 yards, two touchdowns. The fourth interception was a hail Mary that he threw. So I, I don't really hold that one against him. He's a, a freshman who is going to be the next guy in California. It's obvious. He, he's, he's big, he's fast. He throws a great ball. He's a little bit more of a gunslinger, takes more risks than Elijah Brown, the last great freshman quarterback I saw. Um, so they're different guys. But but I think in terms of ceiling, I'd say Brady's might be a little higher than Elijah's because he's, a, I think, a little bit of a better runner and he, he's bigger. He just, just he's that prototypical quarterback that you're that you're looking for. And of course, these kids are both exceptional. Um, so that's no shade at Elijah. I think Elijah's the way better quarterback right now, of course. But but Brady, I'm just excited to see how he develops. He he was very fun to watch in that game. And then his dad, Joe Smigel's the head coach. And I had a lot of respect for him because after the game, he was frustrated, but he talked to me and just said, We didn't make enough plays to win. I got to do a better job. He he took full responsibility. Uh, and, and he's a first year coach. He's been around football forever, but but he first year high school coach, uh, head coach. And uh, he, I left very impressed with him as well. So that was a game where last week I didn't really know where to go. I, I decided to go there and was really glad I did. Um, so yeah, we'll end there. Mitch, let's go to you. Um, let's just talk about the games uh, before we wrap up that we'll hit this week. What are you uh, looking to go cover this weekend, Mitch? Yeah, I have uh, quite a few options, but uh, I might just stay uh, close to where I am uh, McClyman's is playing at Pittsburgh and uh, that's just an interesting, uh, you know, McClyman's just doesn't, you know, have a lot of competition and league play. So when they get out of league and obviously Pittsburgh, uh, so that's a, that's a probably a natural just to go to, but, you know, we have uh, in the North, uh, excuse me, the central section, we got the number one and two teams going. Uh, uh, seems like this happens every week. Buchanan uh, again, uh, Clovis West, uh, which is, they're undefeated, and I think they've allowed like 28, 30 points all year. So that that's a really interesting matchup. Uh, could go back and go see Folsom for another time. They play Oak Ridge, which is, uh, you know, the, the start of their league play. They have uh, in that league, that's one of the strongest leagues, uh, obviously up here. Uh, but Oak Ridge is coached by uh, Casey Taylor, who has made, uh, you know, himself famous at Del Oro and, and uh, a great coach and they've outscored their opponents. I, I didn't write down the number. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like 280 to like 10. I mean, they've just been rolling. So to see if they're for real. Uh, and then I just want to mention that De La Salle uh, in two weeks is going to see St. Mary's. I, I need to mention St. Mary's of uh, Stockton. Really they're in this mix of Northern great Northern California teams. They're five and oh, uh, that's in a week that Dio Sal is a bye. Uh, but St. Mary's uh, could actually uh, sneak by everybody. If they beat De La Salle, they beat Folsom, uh, uh, they, they could actually be the team to represent open division. I mean, and they're really good this year. So, uh, but those are what I'm looking at. And uh, yeah, thanks. 
So yeah. TBD on exactly where you'll be, or do you think? Yeah, be- I, 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 I'm about 90%. I'll, I'll be at Pittsburgh. So I'll see my clients. Yeah. I want to see how they're, they're the four, they're, they've won four state championships at a lower division. So to see, and they, they don't have the depth that uh, like Pittsburgh has, but they definitely have great athletes and coaching and history. Has Jurian Dickey done anything in the past few weeks? I know you saw it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I think he had uh, five catches for 80 yards and a touchdown, uh, you know, uh, in a loss. I mean, they've lost two straight. Uh, they lost to Wilcox 21-20 uh, to 20 last week, and uh, and then they lost the week before to Del Oro handily. So, uh, Menno Atherton, who was, you know, we were talking about a lot, uh, has slipped off and uh, they'll have to get it back together. But, uh, and then, and against Del Oro, he, he had four catches for like 40 yards. So uh, somebody's figuring something out or actually paying extra attention. It's, uh, I don't think it's anything about him for sure. Interesting. Thank you. I, I yeah. was wondering about him. Haven't heard his name in a little bit. Uh, yeah. Let's, let's go to you. Where are you going to be? Yeah, I'm going to see Cathedral Catholic play against Lincoln. Uh, it's the Western League opener for both of them. Uh, it would be Cathedral's year to host, but it's going to be a neutral site game at Mira Mesa High School. Um, and for Lincoln, they'll have a big opportunity because Roderick Robinson's been running on everyone. And um, if any, if I trust anyone in the county to find a way to slow him down, it's Cathedral. Uh, defensive coordinator John Montali does a great job. On top of the fact that they've got three, four, maybe five Division One kids on on defense, big guys like Madden Faramo, Marcus Ratcliffe, guys that um, are going to come up and and be willing to hit hit Rod and Lincoln's got to find ways to scheme and get him open there. So uh, this will be a really good one because I this league to me is is very good and I think it's wide open. Madison would be the other contender. Uh, Madison's undefeated, but they have not played nearly the the strength of schedule that Lincoln and Cathedral have. Cathedral obviously is on another level, and they lost those three out-of-section games, but they're going to play Lincoln now. They'll play Madison next week, and then Lincoln and Madison will play each other in the final week of the regular season. So uh, between those three, um, maybe they all go one-and-one against each other. I I don't know. I, I Look, until someone takes down Cathedral, you have to assume that they're kind of the favorite, but um, I really think the way that they've kind of not found a rhythm offensively against great teams and the way Rodgers run all over and, and Madison, even last week, they were down 12 nothing in the fourth quarter um, and had to score 15 in a row to come back. So uh, they've all kind of have their um, things they need to work on. And so at this point, it's just a complete toss up. But looking forward to seeing this one get started because um, there's a ton of hype around it. It'll be a great crowd there at Mira Mason. Um, really to me, even this one's a, a toss up game. I, I really could see this one going either way. Awesome. Lance, you'll be in Orange County, Santa Margarita, taking on Orange Lutheran. I like Santa Margarita in that game. Do you see it the same way? Absolutely. Uh, I think it should be a really good game, but it, I, I'd be surprised if Orange Lutheran really pulled out a win, uh, or came within seven, you know, push, push them down to the last couple of minutes um still can't write them off uh every time these teams play against each other it's great uh let's see last year it was 35 28 santa margarita and a comeback that they won in the last minute uh on a jackson potter rushing touchdown uh before that it was the covid season but that matchup was one of the most anticipated non-modern day bosco servite uh orange county matchups of the year um before in the, the year before that it was 28 14 orange lutheran won that uh, it came down to the last couple minutes, even though it was a two-score game. Uh, there are two meetings before that. They split. 
Um, both of them were like 37, 34, give or take. Um, so yeah, it should be good. I haven't seen Orange Lutheran yet. I'm excited to see what they look like. Definitely going with Santa Margarita here. Uh, also going to be in Apple Valley or in uh, actually in Phelan on uh, Thursday uh, to see Apple Valley at Serrano. Uh, and again, I, I think it's clear who the favorite in that one is. I'd be surprised if Serrano gives them a run for their money. Uh, but uh, Serrano is a reigning reigning uh, Division Eight champion, and that is not lost on Apple Valley. They've had this game circled. Uh, I've never seen them win in two tries, uh, even though I love covering them. So I definitely want to see an Apple Valley win at some point, not rooting in any particular game. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be a nice, fun little doubleheader for me. And uh yeah, should be a couple good games, although I'd be surprised if it's not SM and Apple Valley winning. All right, Lance, Apple Valley Smith strikes again. Love it. <laughs> I will be at Bishop Amat against Sierra Canyon on Friday. Going to go see Sierra Canyon's field that they finally playing at after a few years. Of course, we all saw what happened with Damian and Bishop Amat after last week, so going to try to do some follow-ups with that. Sierra Canyon, Coach John Ellinghouse will be the first to tell you they've had a disappointing start to the year. We had them 10th in the state. We don't even have them ranked in the top 25 of the Southern section because they've played so poorly. The, the two quarterbacks that they're trying to do, it hasn't worked. I know they went with one, but they haven't really gotten great quarterback play. But after what happened with Bishop Ahmad, I'm not ruling out an upset in this game. I, I At the beginning of the season, I, I who do we have at, at number one in the Mission League? I don't think it was Bishop Ahmad, but through a few weeks, I think Bishop Ahmad has shown that they're probably the league favorite. Chaminade is really good. Sarah, I wonder about their quarterback, but uh, they'll be there also. I think Bishop Amat, though, looks like the class of the league, but this big distraction that happened last week, maybe is that a reason Sierra Canyon can pull off an upset if they start strong. Bishop Amat has to play from behind. They're a much better running team than passing team. So I'm really excited for that game, and, and we'll see what happens. Will any Bishop Amat players be suspended? Will even a coach be suspended based off of what happened last week? I'll try to answer all those questions. I'll have full coverage, video highlights, the usual deal. Um, but a lot more than what is going on on the field uh, is pertinent in that one. So uh, looking forward to going out and covering that. All right, we'll wrap it there. Thanks so much for tuning in. This has been the SB Live California podcast. For everyone else, Lance Smith, Bodie De Silva, Mitch Stevens, I'm Connor Morissette, and we'll see you next time.